0: swim check one two, bike check one two, run check one two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Mashonda Shines. Well, welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. It's always a joy to come to you. And I'm still excited. I don't know if excitement will ever go away, but I'm always grateful when people put me in contact with other good people. And that's the nature of who we are as triathletes. Like we, we stay in good company and we're always sharing other good people that we should be connected with within our, our group. And I love that. So when I was interviewing Bernard Lyles in February, he gave me the name of this young lady. He was like, look, you need to interview this young lady. Like she has been in the game for a very long time. She has competed, you know, at all the distances. She's podiumed. She's a nutritionist. She is uh, a personal trainer. She is everything. She's still mountain biking, getting ready for another mountain biking adventure in Tucson. Like she's nonstop because being active is a lifestyle for her. Let me give you a little bit of her accolades. She's a swim coach, personal trainer, a part of the major Taylor cycling club. She's still roller skate. She's probably going to have to give me some tips because hmm, me and me roller skating is interesting. She is a skier, part of a ski club. She trains triathletes and women who are over 60 with weight training. Let me give you some more of her accolades. She's done everything from sprint to the full iron distance and podiumed at Chattanooga. She's done 35 marathons, one ultra, and qualified for Boston four times. And she's competed at the big shoulders race during 1.5 mile swim. Ladies and gentlemen, I get to bring to you none other than Valerie Tyler. Valerie, welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. How are you?
1: I'm I'm pronouncing your name right? Yes, you are. i uh, excited to be here. Awesome. Excited to be here.
0: Awesome. You have a story. You've been you've had articles done on you. You were sending me all this stuff. I was like, "Wait, how did I miss all this information? Like, you've been in publications. You you've done a lot. I just want to kind of get because you also worked a corporate job. You're retired now and you haven't stopped yet. Give us a little bit of history about how you got started in triathlon, but also why is being active so important to you?
1: It's interesting how I got started in uh, triathlons because it's interesting how I got started in marathons. I was approaching the age of 50 and um, a lady told me, she said, you know, I was roller skating and she said, you know, you got the legs to be a, a runner. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I have muscular legs. And she said, why don't you try it? So that's when I met Bernard because Bernard was in that world and I was not, I didn't even know what a marathon was. So I ran a marathon and then I ran another one and then I ran another one. And just like you said, these things get to be pretty addictive. So then Bernard says, well, Valerie, you're such a good athlete, you should do a triathlon. And I said, okay, now what is a triathlon? Help me understand this. And when he told me, I said, the first thing I said was, I can't swim. So there's no way. And he said, you're doing it in the open water. I said, there's no way. I'm not getting out in the water. No way. Not in this lifetime. So by this time, I was probably about 53. And um, Bernard took me to the pool, started working with me. Uh, I went from him to another coach, to another coach, to another coach, and everybody just really latched on to me because they said, here's a Black woman in her 50s who's interested in learning how to swim so she can do a triathlon. So everybody was trying to help me. I just had a huge support team. Bottom line, I started um, doing triathlons and fell in love with triathlons. And I just, the marathon thing just went out the window because I was like, that's so much that's so much more boring than the triathlon which was so much more interesting because you do multiple things um you cross train um you you have different events you can get better you know if you're stronger in one then you focus on the other like I never had to focus on running always had to focus on biking or swimming so um I met so many wonderful people and I used to always wonder why there weren't more people of color that were doing triathlons. So I'm pulling everybody. I know that was doing a marathon with me. I was pulling on them saying, Hey guys, we got something new and different. We don't have to just run 26 miles, uh, every two or three times a year somewhere in the country. Let's go do something different. So bottom line, um, I did a lot of recruitment, um, converted many of my friends to doing triathlons, and um, just continued to do them, like you said, at all levels. I did sprints, Olympics, half Ironmans, and then culminated with an Ironman at the age of 67 was my first full Ironman. But a lot of that was because I was working for Corporate America, and that was my excuse. I don't have the time to train for an Iron Man while I am trying to do a corporate executive job. So once I I um retired, I had all these coaches that were all over me, like, if anybody could do this, Valerie could do this. And I was like, an Iron Man really? And then if they they said, you could train all day. You don't even go to work. <laughs> we're trying to fit it in and you know, two hours at four o'clock in the morning, two hours at seven o'clock at night. You got all this time. So um, that's kind of maybe a long way around to get to your answer, but the bottom line is that's how I got involved in triathlons, and that's how I stuck with it. And I don't know how many medals I have for for doing uh, triathlons. I was it was just I was just geeked up every time somebody said, "Let's go somewhere." I'm like, "Okay, pack up my bike, pack up my cooler, pack up all my supplies, get my wetsuit out." Oh, it was like, I had that stuff ready to go, ready to pack and go. Yeah. So that's how I got into it.
0: I love it. I love that friends don't let friends try alone. You were like, look, 26.2 miles is cool, but we got a new thing over here. Y'all need to come over to this tri space, the multi-sport world. I am here exactly. for that. So thank you for your recruitment efforts and getting some of your friends to come over to the good side. You know, the side where they yes. can do three things instead of just one. And it's a good cross-training for it all.
1: And and, who and it's fun. With? It's fun. That's it. That's it. But I want everybody are- on the line to know that triathlons are a lot of fun. You laugh a lot. You cry a lot. It's very emotional. You know, the ups and downs. Yeah. Yeah, that it is.
0: It's a lot of ups and downs and and you're right. When you were saying that, you know, when you're having your corporate job, it is a little challenging to to train uh while working, especially you said like training at 4 a.m. and then at 7 a.m. for two hours. And you decided I'm gonna wait when I finish. And your friends held you accountable. And I like that.
1: They did.
0: They held they did. you accountable. That
1: was my excuse, right? That was my excuse. And then when I retired, they said, Well, you don't have any more excuses.
0: Out, it's time to go. It's, it's go time. It is go time. Wow. So you didn't know how to swim. And so you had to learn how to swim. That's one of, that's one barrier to entry that a lot of people have issues with, with swimming is swimming. One of those areas, cause you went from not knowing how to swim to being a swim coach. Tell
1: us about that evolution. Cause that's different. I had a lot of people working with me and when I felt like I had maxed out with one coach, I went to another coach. When I felt like I had maxed out with them, I went to another coach, but they were all in the tri-world. So I was always moving my game up. I was always going to groups that were uh, more advanced, more progressive um, and focused on skills because I could swim obviously after one or two coaches worked with me but I wanted to swim efficiently, effectively, and smooth. So um the the coach that I final finally ended up working with, um he was into total immersion. I guess they all were to a certain extent, but he really was into total immersion. And, you know, with the uh bilateral breathing and the high hips and the high elbows and when i got that down i was like it's on now so i got faster more efficient and um and, and more comfortable just more comfortable in the water um because i still had some instances i have to be totally honest totally transparent there were some triathlons where i started swimming and i was like freaking out and i was like i ain't feeling this Maybe I need to turn around and swim back to shore. Maybe I need to go over to that boat. Maybe I need to flip on my back. (laughs) So I kind of got this mantra in my head that said I can swim. Pause and breathe. I can swim. Pause and breathe. So I took everything, all the garbage out of my head, all the fact that people might be kicking my goggles off, all the fact that I couldn't touch the bottom, and I just put my head down and focused on I can swim, I can swim. And the next thing I knew, I was comfortable, my breathing was comfortable, and I was, you know, halfway through the race. So yeah, it's, um, you know, swimming in open water is not, not easy. I still struggle with it. But um, I just—it's—it's it's just a mental game. It's not that you can't do it. It's just a mental game, and you have to put that mental game away. I mean, you have to—to—to to, to take the negative out of it and really think about the positive side. You've been swimming in a pool. You've got a mile down. You're swimming 2,000 2, yards in a pool. You can do it in open water. Just don't freak out. So. Um, it was probably one of my biggest challenges, but it's one of the ones that I'm the most effective in, you know what I mean? It was like, I'd always rank kind of high in the swimming, you know, category. Oh, and what, oh, here's what you said. What made me better, uh, what made me better is that I'm, when I'm trying to learn something or, or get better at something, I, I, I overdose on it. So I swam four or five days a week for years, (laughs) you know, that that's what I did because I said, the only way I'm going to get better, the only way I'm going to get comfortable is repetition, mind over matter, muscle memory. So I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it till it just became, you know, I became comfortable with it. So. I don't think that people can learn to swim by going to a swimming lesson and then going to the pool one day a week. I mean, maybe they can, but my opinion is just like anything else, you have to really dedicate and commit to it. Yeah. And swimming is just one of those sports that
0: you, if you want to get good, you got to dedicate some time in the pool. Like you, you don't get to see increases in the pool without putting in the work period. Uh, what I love is you said this, and um, you you kept raising your game up. You step you stepped your game up when you you learned all you could with one coach. You went to another group or another coach. I've never thought about that, like just never thought about that. And I bet uh, Maria's in the background, like yes, yes, and yes, like you know people can take you to so only to a certain level, and then it's time to elevate. Uh, and elevate your experience. And so I think that is valuable. Sometimes we can get so complacent in our groups because we love them. They're our friends. We've been with them for so long, Um, but they're not really helping us to elevate our game, but raise your game up, step your game up. That is gonna be the title of this, step your game up. You also mentioned total immersion. I'm a swimmer. And doing total immersion for me was trans. It transformed my stroke. I picked up bad habits along the way, rightfully so. Was putting out more. I was less less efficient. And when you were like efficiency, smooth, high elbow, I dropped time off of my uh, swim just by being relaxed. Who knew? I didn't have to be all tense swimming. So I, I agree, like total immersion is a really good, it's not for everybody, but it is for those, uh, but it's great for beginners who really want to get, <laughs> it is great for beginners. I'm reading a note, um, <laughs> Maria is, is telling me that it's really, um, total immersion is really good for swimmers, especially beginners, so that they can chill the you know what out, Okay. Chill out. It's a really good way. And when you're in the uh, pool, uh, open water swimming, you take some of the TI total immersion techniques to open water and you will be surprised at how relaxed you are in open water. Even when people are kicking you, even when there's waves, even when there's jellyfish, you'll be a little bit more calmer because of how total immersion works. Totally immersion teaches. Now,
1: are you a total immersion instructor since you're a swim coach? Yes. Yes. Ah. We go through when a when a new um, swimmer comes to me and we get a lot of people that don't even want to put their head in water, which, you know, so mm-hmm. it's such an uh, um, a step-by-step approach to getting people to get comfortable in the water, to get balanced in the water, mm-hmm. And to understand the mechanics of what's happening with their body and Mm -hmm. why certain movements will help cut you through the water, you know, by pushing, taking the hip and pushing it into and driving down with it, driving down with the hand and reaching along. So there's so much to be said. So I love to take somebody new. It's almost easier to take somebody new and mold them than to take somebody that has some bad swim habits and try to break them. <laughs> I'm working on one now and I'm like, like me,
0: it's hard to take us. I know Lloyd was like, Mashonda, if you just don't get out of your head, but no, I love that. I really do. So you came in the sport as a runner doing marathon. So you had the rundown. Tell us about yes. your biking experience because biking can be one of those where if, it's not like biking like you were when you were a kid. It's very different. So tell us about your biking experience.
1: Well, the first thing I had to figure out was I had to get off a off of a commuter bike and get a road bike. That was the first thing. And then I had to understand I had to spend some money on a road bike. Then I had to understand I had to get clip-in shoes. Then I had to understand that I definitely had to wear a helmet. Then I had to understand that I had to carry in a pouch tied to my bike, nutrition. Then I had to get water bottle cages and make sure I had not just water, but nutritional protein and carbs in the water bottle with an extra packet on me. And then I had to understand that 20 to 30 miles is not a long bike ride. (laughs) Yeah. So so biking was... Probably, you know, just a huge learning for me. I mean, just huge. And then when I got in the bike club, and these guys had this testosterone, and they were like pedaling fast and and moving out and changing gears and going up and downhill. I'm like, oh God, wait for me, wait for me. So I found myself over time. This is over time becoming a. I consider myself pretty competent biker, but it took biking, I thought was one of the toughest, you know, I I mean, swimming can be scary, but it's not hard. I felt that biking was hard because it is not easy to ride it, you know, an average 18 to 20 when you're not experienced, when you don't really have a trainer at home that you're working on during the winter. And then all of a sudden in Chicago, Well, let's go out. It's May, but it's cold. Well, then get some long pants. We're going to get started and we're going to be great riders by August or September by the time the triathlons come up. So um, I felt like I probably spent the most time on the biking because I felt like that's where you can really make up your time in a triathlon. That's where you can really make up your time. So if you're really a good biker, you're going to do well in the triathlon because that you spend more time on the bike than you do anything else. I felt, you know, like when I was in the Ironman, they gave you eight and a half hours for the bike. They gave you six hours for the run. I mean, well, maybe six and a half hours for the run. But the bike was the majority of it. 116 miles we had to do in Chattanooga. And that was no joke. So my bike training was everything. I mean, I could have discounted thrown the swim out the window, throw the run out the window because you can always walk, run. But that bike, when you get on that bike, you have got to move. You have got to push that pedal. you got to change those gears. You know, you've got to lasts for a long, long, long time on that bike. Yeah. So um I would just encourage anybody get the swim down, but spend the time on the bike. Spend the time on the bike. You can run, you can figure out the run, you can walk, you can do that. You gotta ride that bike. You can't ride that bike at 13 miles an hour.
0: Not for a long, not for an Ironman man or a half, for sure not. For right, a sprint right, or an exactly. Olympic, perhaps, because, you know, you're just learning. So there's there's different levels, but I love the fact that she was like, first I needed to know how to do this. Then I needed to know how to do this. Y'all, that's real stuff. And sometimes you don't even get all that in the season, but that's why Try Beginners Like is here to help you, to let you know there's a lot of stuff that you need. And these are the real things that people sometimes forget to tell you. We had a guest on uh, a couple of weeks ago and they were saying he was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Because once you have done so many races, you forget about the things that beginners need to know. And you forget about what it's like to be a a newbie all over again. And so I love the fact that you pointed out all those different things and all those truths that need to happen. So take us through your first race. Take us back to that.
1: Your first race ever. The first race ever, Your first triathlon. I freaked Little out Beast. in the water. Okay, okay. First triathlon, I freaked out in the water. But it was one of those races that was well-supported for newbies. And they had what they call swim angels mm. that will come out. They're in the water and they'll hand you a noodle and try to calm you down. So as soon as I saw that I could not stand up, I freaked out. And I called, I put my hand up and I said, I need a noodle. So she brought me a noodle and I kind of held on to the noodle. And she's, you know, are you okay? Are you calm? Do You think you can do this? You know, do you want to hang on to the noodle longer? And I held on to the noodle and I looked around and people were swimming past me. And I'm like, I swim better than they do. What am I doing with this noodle? They were a noodle. Like, take this noodle. I started swimming. And I had lost probably maybe a minute or something, but it just shows that my head, I just freaked out. Yeah. So um, they um it gave me a chance to collect myself. And I went on and, and got through the swim comfortably, totally comfortably. It was a sprint. So what is that, 400 yards? What's a sprint? So a sprint depends. It
0: can be anywhere between-
1: A half a mile. Yeah, half a mile.
0: Between 500 and 750 meters, depending on the oh, race. Oh, got it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this one, I think was 750. I think it was a full half a mile. And I had the capacity. I had the endurance. So I got through that. And then um, at the time I wasn't clipped in or anything, but I had the cage on the on the pedal. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was still at that stage. Uh, I had the cage on the pedal and did okay on the bike. A lot of people passed me, but you know. You, you you can't freak out about people passing you because it, it, you're going to be passed on everything you do, <laughs> but you don't want to be the last one, but you don't freak out about it. People are going to pass you. Don't get discouraged. And then um, the run, obviously, I had to run. So I actually did pretty well overall um, in the uh, sprint, um, and I was encouraged to say, I want to do it again because I didn't want to freak out in the you know I just wanted to, it to be a smooth positive experience throughout so I I did sprints for a, a long time before I stepped up to an Olympic and when I did the Olympic it was super easy yeah mm-hmm. and I found that to kind of be my sweet spot because with the Olympic you get a chance to warm up and get your cadence going on whatever you're doing you got enough time built in there to do that so I found myself placing in you know in the top three a lot in the Olympics so that was kind of my sweet spot takes me a minute to warm up but then I get going and then I finish strong so you know that's kind of my mantra is don't give up and you know finish strong don't let go so um yeah I've had really good experiences with the um um uh, sprint and the olympic you have and then a... the iron man you had to do a little bit more training for the iron man um but it's interesting if you have a good base in all three of these mm-hmm. to step up to your game a little bit to get to the next level it's not humongous it's not a, 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 as big as people think it is do you know what i mean oh yeah
0: yeah You had a lot of, um, you got a lot of mantras and I like that. I like that you keep your head, like you said earlier, it's that mental. So you keep your mental uh, tight and work on your mental every day. So this is real. This is so real. I was looking at this video um, and Maria's husband was recording her on, she was working, doing a double Ironman or something, double iron distance or whatever. And so she was like going, she had already spent eight hours on the trainer. Let's just put this in perspective, eight hours on the trainer. That's a mental, you know, what already Already, she said, it's all about the mental and I have to train my mental every day. And that is so true. And you know, with you and your mantras, and I just want to encourage you guys, we hear about the mental part But you really have to go into these races with a great mental perspective, because if not, you're talking yourself down, you're talking yourself off of a ledge, you're not believing in yourself, and that will get you out of the game before you even get started. And so I'm not going to always say I always have great mental. I mean, I'm very positive. I'm a glass half full kind of girl, but that mental piece, I have to even work on it myself because I'll be like, okay, and it'll take me a moment and I'll snap and I'm like, okay, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. And I think that's so important. I want to speak to that mental piece because I believe, you know, you're coaching athletes, you're coaching women over 60, getting them, you know, you know, weight training. What are some of your mental exercises that you do aside from mantras that help you and your athletes stay focused?
1: Well, what I, what I try to tell people is that if it's difficult, that's not a negative, it's a positive. That's why we call it working out, it's work. So you've got to put the work in to get the results. And if you trust the process, you will get stronger because women over 60, women over 30 begin to have bone loss. You don't recognize it many times until you're 50 or 60 years old. And you go to the doctor and he says you have osteoporosis and you're like, what the heck is that? And all it means is that your bones aren't as dense as they were when you were younger. And you have more, you're more vulnerable to fractures and breaks and, that kind of stuff. So what I tell them is if you do strength workouts, what's impossible is possible. And you'll find that you get stronger as you continue to, to lift weights or use resistance or, you know, do endurance jumps or whatever it is that I'm teaching. I say, you're going to get better at it. And where I really, Get a lot of feedback and a lot of satisfaction is that people come back to me and they tell me that they've reduced their they're off their blood pressure medicine or their A1C is lower than it was before, so they don't have to be pre diabetic. You know, I, I get all these things from from them, so they're feeding me and I'm feeding them, and we all know that what we're doing collectively is for the greater Uh, health of our body. And being healthy is your wealth. If you're sick, I don't care how much money you have, you cannot enjoy life. So you have got to got to take the body that God gave you and use it. Don't sit and become, you know, complacent and a couch potato. If you don't use it, you lose it. So you've got to use those muscles. You've got to build them. You've got to stay strong. And if you don't, you won't be able to walk, you won't be able to climb stairs, you won't be able to lift your grandbabies. There's so many things that you could lose out on. And you'll be walking on a, a, a cane at the age of 70, 72, 78. You'll be in one of those electric uh, uh, chairs that, you know, motor chairs that people scoot around in. So, um Those are some of the things that I say, you know, I can't really recall it off the top right now, but that's kind of where I go with them is that um, this is good for you. It's good for your body. It's good for, you know, for your strength It's good. It, it, you know, it deters um, autoimmune diseases. It releases stress, you know, all the benefits of, you know, it helps your brain function better. All the things that I've read about and think about and, and, you know, um, know to be true, I parlay that information to my clients. Mm, so you don't
0: take it just from a mental perspective. You take it from a whole well-being perspective. I love exactly. and that. And then I
1: throw in things every once in a while. I don't, you know, I do have my nutritionist license, but I don't profess to be a nutrition coach. So I don't tell people what to eat. I do give them some guidance on what they should not eat and how they should eat smaller meals, how they should drink a lot of water, how they shouldn't, you know, have excess bad carbohydrates and fats, fried food, you know, the typical stuff that everybody knows they're not supposed to do every time, you know, I will reinforce that. I'll talk about how many grams of protein you need per day to feed your muscles. If you don't feed your muscles, they're not going to build, they're not going to grow, right? If you don't exercise your heart, it's not going to be healthy. It's not going to pump good oxygen through the blood into your cells. So, you know, I kind of throw that kind of stuff in while we're while I'm counting one, two, three, four. <laughs> I'm like letting them do this for a while. And while they're doing this, I'm kind of giving them some guidance on what is it doing for you? What muscles are you, groups are you using? Why is it important to work on pelvic strength and glutes? Because it holds up your frame. It holds up your body. It holds up your spinal cord. It holds up your abdominal um, organs. It holds up your heart and lungs, and it also strengthens your legs. So I do a lot of glute work. I do a lot of core work. And then, of course, I work the upper and lower body. So all these things come together to make you healthy, to improve your posture. And most importantly, it keeps your brain active.
0: Mm. And
1: all the strength and mobility coaches are saying amen. (laughs) I know that's right. I know that's right. I know that's right. And I didn't, to tell the truth, I didn't used to do as much training as I do now. When I was doing triathlons, I was a cardio person. There was nothing you could tell me. I was a cardio person. I got up in the morning doing cardio, in the evening doing cardio. And then I found that when I started increasing my distances with the triathlons, my coach said, Valerie, one at least one day a week, you got to." do some resistance training or some weights. I started doing that and my whole body got stronger. I started, my arms got stronger when I was pulling the water. You know, my legs got stronger when I was pushing the bike. My, um, I, I was a stronger runner, you know, in terms of just not running out of breath, just being strong through the whole race, not, you know, falling apart at, you know, mile 18 or whatever you know, where people hit the wall and they stop and walk. I had more endurance overall. So I'm a really big proponent on strength training, but I can tell you back in the day, I wasn't doing any strength training. I always did yoga, but I wasn't doing any strength training. So anyway, that's my pitch on strength training is important. Very important. And I
0: will second that. Strength training is very important. Uh, So if you are new to triathlon, or if you're already doing, doing triathlon for five or six years, you cannot get stronger without doing strength training. You can't get faster without strength training and just your whole neural neuromuscular, everything needs to be stronger. And that pelvic floor system, whew, especially if you sit down at a desk all day.
1: Yes. What? Yes. What?
0: Yes. Yes. Go ahead and do what I do. I sit at my desk sometimes and I have like these little bands and I'm working my legs. You gotta work. Yes, I keep bands at my desk so that I can work my legs because it's like me sneaking in a, a resistance training, you know, since I have to sit down all day. So I'm still strengthening. A and really somebody, good
1: idea. I've got some ideas That's a stuff. really, really good idea. And but the other thing that it does it helps to prevent injury. Yes. So the stronger your legs are, the stronger your arms and shoulders are, and then you're pushing your body to all of these, you know, incredible distances, you minimize the opportunity to have injuries. And if yeah. you have an injury, trust me, you could be out of the game completely.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what I want to hit on? And this is completely not related to tries or multi sport. It's just something that I'm newly engaged with skating. And because you wow. skated and did roller skating, that's how mm-hmm. they were like, you have strong legs. Real talk in January, I went skating. My cousin is into skating. So she invited me to come. I went, hadn't skated in over. 15 years, probably 20. I wow. found But I didn't fall until the end. And I tweaked a little something, but that's okay. But I had the most fun roller skating. Here's what I found about roller skating that I think could be helpful for this audience. Because I went on a pigeonhole, uh, a rabbit hole of researching. Skating is a low cardiovascular activity that can take the place of a shorter run. If you do inline skating, inline skating helps with that forward movement as you're moving forward. So it helps you with your running. Two, it's like a zone two workout. So you're burning fat. Yes. I'm probably on number four now because I think I skipped it. But anyway, the next point is you're working your core, your body, like it's a full body workout. Can you talk about how roller skating helped you in your running, and do you still roller skate today? I
1: still roller skate. I still roller skate, and I love roller skating. I love roller skating. It, you're right. It's about a zone two. It works your quads, it works your glutes, and you're working your arms because your arms aren't just hanging down. So you've got your arms working, you got your whole body working, you got your core, your obliques. Everything's working as you're roller skating. You got the rhythm, you got the music. You got people, your peeps around you, you chit-chatting while you're rolling. Hey, babe, hey, this, hey, that. So it's a social sport as well as a fun sport. And I met my husband, roller skating. He was the best roller skater out there. And I was like, "Ooh, You know, they, they have a little swagger when you know you roller skate. I was like, oh, my God, he can roller skate so good. And he asked me to skate couples, and it was that was it. That was done. We were done. That was it. Listen, listen. He asked me to skate couples. And we skate couples really well together, but we've been doing it for a long time. And we do all the fancy moves and turns and half steps and all quick steps. and, And we can do it. And together, because we've been practicing it for so long. So when we finish couples, which might be two or three records forward, two or three records backwards, we're spent. It's very, like you said, it's not high intensity, but it's a good workout. I mean, you're sweating coming out of it, you know. So, yeah, yeah, um, I love roller skating, but I love my roller skating family. That's what's most important. And that's what you'll find with all of these things. You don't want to do them, you know, in a whole or you don't want to do them as an individual. You want to find a group to work out with number 1 it holds you accountable number 2 it's motivating and number 3 it's challenging you and you've got somebody else who's saying no let's make this a 6 mile run today instead of a 4 mile run well i don't really want to do a 6 but since you said it and you're going to do it i'm going to do it with you so this group dynamic is so important. Uh, you could train by yourself. And I'm saying training with a group, chasing somebody on a bike is a lot more fun than just out there fighting the wind by yourself, wondering if you're in a safe space. It's it's just the numbers really, really do help. And that kind of gets back to the skating thing. I was, a, I was a strong skater. And that's why the girl said, I think you could be a strong runner. And- to your point, Meshonda, it probably translated. I don't, oh, yeah. you know, I didn't see it, but I had never run before. And I ran a marathon in four months. You know, I trained and ran one in four months. So. Mm-hmm.
0: It's something on this skate. It's something on that skating. Uh, Maria posted, it's a good, it could be a good post-season uh, exercise. Uh, but yes, I do think that's something all to round. that, the skating. And plus there's a new resurgence of roller skating that's coming about I like I get lost in watching skaters skate now on Instagram like I just roll and I'm like looking at them doing their dances and wishing I could do that but I'm just still trying to have my balance forward and not lean back and fall but anyway went off on a tangent let me make one more point point on
1: the skating thing Mm -hmm. skating requires balance right Mm -hmm. You got to have good balance to skate. What are you using when you skate? You're using your core core to keep your balance. When you're running, what are you using? You're using your core to pick your knees up, to move your arms. What are you doing when you're on a bike? You're using your core and you're balancing yourself on your bike. That's why biking outside is a little bit more difficult than sitting on a trainer in your house. You're going to feel different. When you get outside and have to balance that bike, you take it for granted, but it's something to think about. Think about when you're swimming, you're swimming with your core, you're swimming from side to side. And that core is what's working. That core is what's helping to drive that hip down and push that arm out. So I think that getting back to basics, I think the fact that I was a roller skater and a skier, that I had balance and that's what helped me translate into being successful in other sports.
0: Get back to basics, y'all. Let's get back to those fundamentally awesome activities we used to do when we were when we were young. I like it. I'm here for it. There you go. Miss Valerie. Yes. 67 years old podiuming, podiuming. I guess making the podium at Iron Man Chattanooga. What a feeling. Walk us through. Girl.
1: <laughs> now this is what's funny. This is what's real funny. I finished the uh, Iron Man. Felt great. Oh, you know, whatever. I, I, I wasn't even tired. I mean, it was just. It had been a long day, but I wasn't even tired. Right. So I'm just chit-chatting and going back to, you know, hugging everybody, taking pictures, kissing babies. And then I go, my whole family's down there. So we go back to our b and I go to bed. I casually wake up, start packing. I'm the last one out of the house. I had rented the house. So I said, well, I got to make sure, you know, everything's in place, you know, for the B&B rules. And I get a call from Bernard. He's like, Valerie, we're at the award ceremony. What are you doing? Uh, packing. He said, "You better throw that stuff in the car and get your butt over here." I said, "What?" He said, "Because you came in second place in your age group and you're going to be on the podium, and we have never had a black person on the podium ever, <laughs> and you're sitting there <laughs> piddling around." I said, "I was getting ready to get in the car and drive back to Chicago. What are you talking about?" So he gave me the address. We hurried up, threw the bike in, the cooler, everything, locked up the door, raced over there. I told my husband, let me jump out the car because they didn't call, called on me. So let me run in there. Bernard's at the, at the door, opening the door, get in here. And I mean, not two minutes after I walked through the door, they called my name. Wow, Bernard must look a hundred pictures. Everybody, it was a whole table. Of African Americans that were had been trying to go to Kona for years, and they were sitting there saying, "Okay, this is my fifth one. I got to do twelve to qualify." And you're but qualified, and you're not even. Here. <laughs> wow, it was so because I don't, I didn't do Iron Man, so I did my mindset. I didn't understand podium and placing and all of that, so. When they called my name up, baby, I was up there, hey, hey, and all the black people were screaming hey, hey, and my was coach was going, yes, yes, and I know <laughs> like what is going on. And and then they were scowling at me because I took Anna Warren away. It's like, where did she come from? We ain't never seen her before. She ain't in our circles. She don't go around the country doing Iron Man like we do. We're like a posse. We always come out one, two, three. Who is she? Just knocked us out of the game. So um, it was, it was uh, kind of funny in that sense. But but um, what they were telling me when I did finally sit down and 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 chill with my award and everything, um, all of the blacks that were around the table, it might have been about 12, uh, who are real serious um Ironman competitors, they said, this just doesn't happen.
0: Mm.
1: Because, and 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 I'm I'm gonna be, you know, let me put this in perspective. I'm older. So my age group is 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 it's not as compet I don't want to say it's not as competitive because they were probably about 25, 30 um women that were over 65 in the race right. but it's rare it's just it's just rare that someone younger would have an opportunity to be number 1 2 and 3 because the field is larger
0: right
1: maybe 10 or 15 times larger so it's very hard to get up to the top when you're 50 or forty-five or fifty-five, where I was sixty-five. So I'm not saying it was any easier because I beat a lot of people that were younger than me, but it just wasn't as competitive in terms of time, because they give you more. They expect that you're going to be a little bit slower as you, you know, as you age. So, um, it, 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 you know. It's hard to get podium. It's hard to get podium. So when they told me I qualified, did I want to go to Kona? I was like, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. That ain't what I'm trying to do. It's one and done. I wanted to do it. It was a challenge. Mm. I did it. I'm done. But my inspiration comes from looking forward and saying, I would like to see other African American women, whatever age, participate in, and finish Ironman competitions. That's what I would like to see in the future. So, looking ahead, I don't want to be saying I'm the only one to reach the glass ceiling. I don't get a I don't get a kick out of that. What I get a kick out of is seeing somebody follow behind me and mm-hmm. kick my butt and do better. And have a, a, you know, less uh, and finishing a, in a faster time than I did and not have to wait till they get to be my age to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, you said a lot in a mouthful and um, I know there's people out there that would agree with you. There is sometimes, triathlon is a friendly sport. Let's not get that twisted, but it can be territorial and you have your clicks. And that's just, it happens in any sport. And so I do want to just say, I apologize that you had such an unwelcoming experience when you podiumed for the first time. And yes, at those events, all the Black people seem to come together because there's not many of yeah. us, and people don't, there's not many of us. And so it's just like, wow. Hey, how you doing? Let's, let's come together. Even if we don't know each other, it's just like we gravitate towards each other because at least we know we'll be friendly with each other versus sometimes the unwelcoming sights, you know, unwelcoming feelings that we get from other ethnicities at races like this, especially when you're a competitor competing and you're taking some of the top slots. And so I do want to say, I apologize. Um, that you've had to experience it. And so many people who are quote unquote, not, they don't look the part that have to experience that unwelcoming feeling. But I guess it comes with the territory of sports and anything, you know, there's there's an uncomfortable feeling that people get where they feel like they have to bottom feed versus just be like, hey, everybody can eat. We all can eat. We ain't gotta be bottom feeders. But Thank you. it's a mentality shift that will have to take place in everyone's own personal journey, and when you get to that yeah. point of uh, knowing that it doesn't matter how we are in the same group, there's enough for all of us to to get what we need. Quote unquote, we can all eat. There's enough. Like we don't have to be crabs at the barrel, trying to just get it and hold tight. You know, the tighter your grip, the less you get anyway. Have an yes, open hand, exactly. be generous. Exactly. But anyway, open up your hands. Open up your hands. We digress, but I think that that's good because you're right. There's a lot of people, um, a lot of African-Americans that I've started to see and just people in color, black, brown, um, uh, people who I'm seeing in the space now that are competing and being able to compete at a higher level. And it is warming to see because it's like, man, that's aspirational. It's, it gives you a a object to be like, I can do this too. I can, you know, make it to the, to this level. If I keep trying and going hard and I just appreciate it. I I really do. It's warming to see more people that look like you on the course and, you know, from some people's like getting to see more women on the course. But for me, I really love when I go to an event and I see diversity, period. Yeah. However yeah. it is, you know, I just, I, I I love, I love that. Wow. We've had a fruitful, fruitful conversation. I'm sure we can keep talking and keep going. Uh, but I want to hit on this. I want to hit on this uh, particular article that I got to read and I was wondering, you got an opportunity to learn how to train uh like a pro uh with Hoka. And so you and Sika yes. Henry, yes. Um, are you a, uh are you with, I was honored. Tell tell us about that. So you and, and Sika got together and did this uh piece
1: with Hoka. Tell us about that oh. experience. Or it was well, separate. Well, here's the thing we we were reached out to independently. Oh, Yes, we were reached out independently. So I think that they wanted to do an article on diversity and Mm -hmm. to show Black women. You know, Hoka, everybody has a diversity leg or arm in their company, something called D&I, diversity and inclusion. So there was probably some mission Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or some project that somebody had to go out and find top talent In the Mm -hmm. athletic world, because Hoka, what do they do? They build shoes, running shoes, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Running clothes. They're not so much a triathlete kind of thing, but they they definitely are marathoners. So they reached out to me because I did both, right? They reached out Mm -hmm. to Sika because she did both. And they interviewed us independently and then collaboratively folded the article together.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's kind of
1: how that came together. But they asked us the same questions independently. And it was interesting how, if you, re- you know, when you read it, it uh-huh. almost reads the as same. if we were just perfectly in sync with each other.
0: Which because is why. <laughs> it is
1: what it is. It is what it is, you know? So. Absolutely. And that's why
0: I was asking, I was like, did you guys do that together? Because the no. answers were very similar, but I
1: guess very similar.
0: It's a lived very experience similar. that I think a lot of people of color go through. So it's easy to have a similar experience. And so I'm going to make sure that we put the link in our show notes because I think it's a good read for people to see. And it's a really you know, good read. It's a really good read. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 We've talked about a lot. We didn't talk about everything, but I love the fact that you started and you continued to step your game up. And at the end you had a choice to go to Kona cause you qualify and was like, I'm straight. I'm good. I did what I needed okay. to do. And I'm I'm done. And now you've moved on to so many other beautiful things like your mountain biking in Tucson. Tell us about some of the, the things that you're doing now to stay active.
1: Oh, I do so much. Okay. So the first thing, and it, I'm I won't take long. I do a lot, but I won't take long. Um, I'm a a, um, personal trainer. So what I do is I teach clients strength training on Zoom, just like we're doing right here. So what I do is I stand in front. I talk about what we're going to do, what group of muscles we're going to do. I demonstrate and I do the workout with my clients. I keep it at 40 minutes because that's about how long you can kind of keep somebody without them kind of fading out or dropping off or something so i keep it at 40 minutes i do a little bit of yoga stretching then we go into a standing routine that's 20 minutes down 20 minutes on the floor working you know just some serious core they can choose their weights so i do that five times a week five classes and that's it i take no private clients no private i used to but You know, my time seems to be more valuable the older I get. I'm like, I want my time back. So Mm -hmm. if you want me, you catch me on Zoom. Then the other thing that I do is because I want to do things. It's because I want to do things. I leave there and go swim a mile or two. Almost every day. I leave there. I go to yoga. Real big on yoga. I do that. I take a class to keep myself fresh. I take a class with a personal trainer that trains people for competitions. Mm. So I keep myself fresh by taking a class. Okay. So even though you're a trainer, you should always get into a train the trainer kind of a program where you're training somebody, they're training you. Um, so never isolate yourself and think I know it all, right? And then the other thing that I do is um, I have a Peloton, but I also have a Compu Trainer. So I'm working a program on my computer called Trainer Road, and it's guiding me on a personal journey to build my strength. So I, I've been on uh, Trainer Road for six months. I finish Sunday. I leave the next Sunday. We go out to Tucson. Our goal is to climb Mount Lemon, which is twenty-five miles up, nine thousand feet above sea level. I, my goal is not to get to the top. See, I'm reasonable. I know my limits. <laughs> but if I can just get to double digits, I'm good. <laughs> if I can get to up to ten. I've gotten up to seven before. If I can get up to 10, I'm good. If I get to 12, I'm good. But it's straight up. There's no leveling. It's straight up. So you take, you take, you you choose your battle. Do you want to stop and have to start with on an incline? Or do you just want to keep going until you're just so exhausted? You feel your heart pumping outside of your body. You're having an outer body experience. So yeah. it's very challenging. Um, it's 30 of us going from the Major Taylor Cycling Group here in Chicago. Everybody's got their bags packed and their bikes packed in their bike bags. And we're ready to travel. We spend five or six days riding our bike all day, every day. So I train with that group. And so what else do I do? Oh, I'm going to do the marathon this year. But what I'm going to do is I'm bringing my, I'm ratcheting down. I'm going to walk, run the marathon. Okay. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to pace myself. I'm not going to be crazy trying to run, you know, nine minute miles for the whole time. I'm older. My knees are okay. I don't want to ruin them. I'm going to just do a jog, walk. And if I come in toward the end of the race, so what? I got it done. So my message maybe here is, since I'm probably one of the older people that you interview, is never stop moving always set a goal always challenge yourself always keep yourself active in some way it could be golf it could be it could be anything but keep yourself challenged not only because it's good for you physically but it's good for you mentally yeah so I do a whole lot of stuff. That's why I don't take personal clients. I got stuff. I got stuff to do. Mm. <laughs> I got I got my own little projects and challenge and and um and goals that I set for myself. So anyway, so that's what my life looks like. I probably train about three to four hours every day minimum, doing something, something. Mm. But remember, I'm retired. Remember, I'm retired.
0: But I still so. love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Valerie, for joining us. We got quick little segment of rapid fire questions and then we're done, but I love hearing your story and I hope others have really enjoyed listening to you because you still just ooze with so much joy and fire. I absolutely love it. And I hope to be able to race with you. You know, if you're doing a sprint triathlon in Chicago, maybe I'll come up there and race with you. I love, love, love the fact that you're still just active. Um, Rapid fire questions real quick, real short what is your favorite song that gets you pumped up?
1: Um, I'm happy. What is that? Because I'm happy. Um, because I'm happy. Okay, okay, okay. Dun, 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 dun. Because I'm happy. Who are some singles? He's that? from um, um, he's from Hampton.
0: I mean the the Newport News area. I know exactly Pharrell. Yes, Pharrell. Thank you. For yeah, Pharrell. Pharrell.
1: I was like, wait a minute, you're from Newport News. I know exactly who it is. But I um, like that record because it, it kind of symbolizes I'm moving, I'm upbeat, and the world should be happy, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I like um, that uh, Where's your favorite place to bike? It seems like cycling is your thing. Where's your favorite place to cycle?
1: You know what? I bike up and down Lakeshore Drive. Uh, Chicago has a bike path on Lakeshore Drive, and it's a designated bike path, which it took us years to get. We probably had it for about five or six years now. It's separate from the running path. So we don't have to work around runners and that kind of thing. So Ooh. we can just split all the way down and back. It's about 40 miles round trip. So nice. we get up and we leave at five o'clock in the morning. We're back at seven, seven 30 in the morning. Um, and I have a group and we head out, we meet each other and we head out. And we go, you know, maybe 20 miles an hour, I'm, you know, whatever. It's fast, whatever it is. It's fast. Some people are faster than others. But remember when you're riding with a group, you know, you're getting a pull.
0: I like that. So buddy. Lakeshore I Drive, Lakeshore Drive. It. That's I my, that's my path. Going 20 yeah. miles per hour. I'm here for that. Um, Do you have any race superstitions?
1: Other than bad weather. <laughs> One time I did a race in the rain and I said, you know what? If I knew if I know it's gonna rain, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't want to slide on the I don't want to slide or slip. Mm. Bikes get very slippery on wet roads, so I guess my superstition would be: I don't want to. I don't want to race in the rain. No, no racing in the rain. This is a black girl hair question.
0: What did you do for your hair when training and
1: racing? Well, I just started growing locks, um, okay. and so I have a little extensions right here. But my hair is maybe about my my locks are about this long, mm-hmm. but I wanted to add something so I could have a little more puff, you know, and cut it as I grow. But I kept my hair cut real short. Mm. So that you could I kept change. it cut, yeah. I kept my hair cut real low, not bald, but close to bald. Um, and it everybody liked it. I mean, it was a, you know, very neat style, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't have time for hair. So it was like, I had long hair down my back. I was like, ooh. And I kept it for a minute. I kept it for a minute. You know, I'd condition it, wash it, condi- get all this chlorine swim products and all that. And I'd brush it and tie it and keep it mm-hmm. in a knot back here. And finally, I just said, I'm gone. Talked it's it. it's hard to for um, have black hair and ooh. try to do swimming and sweating. So... It didn't go together. It was a challenge. So I just felt like the best thing for me. I'm not telling anybody else what to do. The best thing for me. And I didn't find braids to be good. Mm -hmm. The reason is, is that those braids will pull on your hair. And when they get wet, they get heavy. Mm -hmm. And now they're pulling the Mm -hmm. follicles of your hair. So I have seen so many people ruin their head and mess up their hairline get involved from trying to keep their hair in braids all the time Mm -hmm. so that they didn't have to to do their hair so I mean you know that's kind of off the record I'm not an advisor but (laughs) it's all good it's all
0: good we're gonna move to our last question it's all good we know I just wanted to ask you because I didn't know you know it's always interesting to find out it's just, it was a rapid fire question, but it just took five minutes. It's okay. It's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Last question. What is, uh? do you pee on the bike or did you pee on the bike or get off and take a proper pee break?
1: I pee on the bike all the time. <laughs> Ain't no shame in my game. I love it. This is a leather seat. It's used to being wet. I ain't got no problem because I am not. I am not sacrificing my time to stop and find a porta potty when I'm on a bicycle. So you know, honest disclosure, yes, I, love I didn't do I it, love it that it. often. Really, I only had to do it maybe if I had a really long ride. I probably only like if I had a half Ironman where I was doing fifty-six miles and I knew it was going to take three hours or so. I might would do it. Definitely did it on the Ironman. Yeah. But um, it, it's not, you know, it, it we get off and pee over in the bushes when we're running a marathon. I mean, it was like some of this physical stuff just is not that sacred when yeah. you're doing athletic stuff. Nobody cares. That's true.
0: <laughs> that is true. Well, thank you so much, Valerie, for coming on to the show, sharing with you. It's a good question. I thought so too. Such a lady, such a lady. Um, I love it. Well, thank you guys. We're having fun. Absolutely. Whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win. I am Mashonda. And you know what? We're just going to be out because we've had such a good time. Peace. Bye.
1: Thank Peace you. Peace out. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try Beginner's Luck, you always win.